Yes, hello everybody. Thanks for coming back. Nice seeing you. Um, today we continue our podcast. It's a very another exciting subject that we elaborate here. The title is called A Decade of Wrangling, but dolphins and seabirds of South Island's New Zealand East Coast remain unprotected. This is based on an article by A. Vance and published uh, 2022. Um, this article was actually posted and discussed on a list server by um, a Pacific conservation expert and a retired academic in Hawaii. Um, so I thought it's worthwhile for us to present and elaborate more about it here. Um, myself, I've been in New Zealand several times and I work on some migration species uh, from there. So I'm somewhat familiar with the uh, conservation situation, which I usually follow. So here I'm reporting on a summary news article done by journalist Andrea Vance. And um, I think it gives a whole holistic view and a good overview and picture of what's going on. And it's um, probably applicable beyond New Zealand. Uh, so as you know, New Zealand is blessed with nature, with wildlife and biodiversity. Historically, New Zealand was the island for seabirds. It was really a big seabird colony with many, many species that are moving between the Pacific uh, and even the Atlantic and um, Antarctica. Um, but this picture has changed when humans arrived on the island. That was many thousand years ago. And specifically after the Western civilization hit New Zealand, that was James Cook and colonization, mostly from the British angle. Um, Subsequently, in times of industrialization and in more with more shipping and more commercialization and um, more colonialism, rats infested itself um, and uh, established itself on the island. And that's also true for foxes and for other species and predators um, that are usually not native to New Zealand in that shape and form. And they change the vegetation. That's very well established. You can read up many literature and lit much literature on this and many many papers on this so um when the in uh invasive species enter places like new zealand they also not only change the um in this case the seabirds but they also uh, consequently change the whole ecosystem because all connected and um, the vegetation also changes so there's a big um rat eradication project ongoing and a lot of effort has been put on getting rid of these invasive species that come with the European civilization coming to New Zealand. Um, now, um, of course, it's not only the Europeans. Um, there are many players and actors that played a role. And the Maori also um, had an impact, but um, uh, not so much apparently as the Europeans had. And certainly the last 50 years in the history of invasive species have been really devastating. So globally speaking, New Zealand is a relatively small island and landmass. It has approximately 5.1 million inhabitants, perhaps. Um, still, it actually has one of the fourth largest exclusive economic zone, the EEZ, in the world, um, of which less than 1% is protected. That is a very peculiar setup. Um, in other words, this is a paradise, really, for extractive industrial fisheries and the products um, that it takes away beyond the needs of the locals and the sub and subsistence uh, requirements. Um, this actually is an export business 
And it's obvious that it hardly can be sustainable, as I will talk more about it in a minute. Um, so for more improved conservation purposes, New Zealand was trying to draw a line that's basically a marine protected area boundary around the precious coastlines of southeastern regions of Otago and Canterbury. And that's done to safeguard fragile populations of penguins, dolphins, sea lions, and parts of the ecosystem. I think that's easy to understand. Once you've been there, you will agree. And also the species status in these areas is, is worthwhile to, to be considered for conservation. So that's uh, an interesting aspect to um, get at the conservation for these areas. And usually um, these protection levels in the ocean and the coastal zones are approached through an MPA. So that's that would be a marine protected area, MPA. But there are different types of marine protected areas. Here we're not even talking about no-take zones, but um, the much more relaxed version of a general MPA. So the MPA really is mostly a, a rational recognition that this area should be protected, but it doesn't have so much protected um, uh, area characteristics. It literally has no teeth. Um, but anyway, it would be good to have MPAs outlined at least so that um, people are aware and can work it from there. Um, so this is the, the framework, but um, not everybody would agree um, um, that the policy of an MPA is a good idea. Um, in the meantime, New Zealand features a fisheries worth many millions of US dollars and also done for export. export. That's export to US, to Europe, as well as to UK, um, and also to Asia, of course, and other countries, including Australia. So in other words, what happens in New Zealand on the fisheries side in these areas is an issue not only um, of relevance for New Zealand, but also outside. It affects many markets, but it also um, can be probably transferred to other fisheries places where um, similar conflicts might uh, exist. So after a decade of arguing, millions of dollars spent in the governance and um, uh, mitigation and discussions, um, after three terms of parliament in New Zealand, and after six conservation ministers, the marine mammals, birds, fish and invertebrates that live between Timaru in South Canterbury and Waipapa Point in Southland are still without um, sanctuary from harmful human behavior. As experiences show us almost everywhere in the world, certainly in those so-called fisheries nations like Iceland, Japan, or Norway, marine protected areas are ferociously opposed in many countries by these fishing industries, and New Zealand is not any different from that. Here, the issues are entangled with customary fishing rights under the Treaty of Waitangi and the 1992 Maori Fisheries Settlement. Um, and so it's pretty clear that indigenous groups also have a say in this conservation discussion and in the discussion of natural resources. And that's um, uh, widely found in other natural resource conflicts also. Um, so the actual creation of five marine reserves along the west coast the other side of New Zealand, uh, stretching from Kahurangi to Hautal in Southwestland took eight years. And eventually they were so drastically reduced in size that the conservationists were infuriated. They were really angry about it because they put so much effort into it. They were promised so many things 
And when it came to it, um, only a very small section was really um, uh, protected and um, progress was achieved on that front. The initial protection of 96,000 hectares approximately was essentially just whittled down to 17,500 hectares approximately. That's obviously um, a fraction of what was initially discussed. Currently, the 4.18 billion industry is deeply opposed to calls for closing underwater seamounts to bottom trawling in order to protect ancient coral reefs, sponges, and deep water ecosystems. Um, it should be say, said that and stated that these underwater ecosystems are not really accessible to people. Um, you cannot really directly see them. But in the meantime, they play a big ecological role and also for um, the wider systems. And so that obviously is a very interesting discussion to have. But you see that there's an industry that really tries to, to stop um, access, um, or that tries to, 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 to um, um, interfere with the uh, protection, which will not, not give them access to this resource any further. And, um, and bottom trawling, obviously, is one of the prime fishing methods there. So as a result, only a tiny fraction of New Zealand's marine environment really remains protected. Um, that's probably less than half a percent, depending how you compute this. Um, and most of it is um, only found on rather remote islands, such as the remote sub-Antarctic islands of outer New Zealand, um, that do not interfere with the business as usual for most New Zealanders and for much of the fishing industry. Scientists say that instead the protection coverage should be for 30%. And it should be part of the entire New Zealand nation, including some of the mainlands and the ecosystems that New Zealand is featuring in a representative fashion. Um, also, the original application of the Akaroe Marine Reserve was publicly notified already in 1996. But this case then got to the High Court um, in 2012 and the marine reserve was not finally approved as late as 2013. So it, it's definitely a, a huge delay and a path of court that was taken there. And um, that also is a typical example for many of those uh, um, ocean and land decisions and protected area decisions when they're made um, in modern New Zealand, as it is probably common in other places too. Um, the long-running saga of the Southeast Marine Protected Network, SEMP network, um, actually began in October 2013. The spectacular of coastline of New Zealand is highly valued by tourists of the world. It's part of the tourist industry, if you wish, um, and is home to some of the country's most endangered species. For instance, the Hoyu, the yellow-eyed penguin, the Northern Royal Albatross, and the uh, Wakahau Rapoka, that is the New Zealand sea lion, among other species. Um, as a quote, and here I'm quoting um, this uh, statement from the citation, Otago stands out as being the only region without a marine protected area. That was uh, said by the conservation minister Nick Smith, and he said it himself. So what is what else is left to say and to do. I mean, if you're the conservation manager, uh, the minister, and you you are in charge of making such decisions, perhaps you should get action there. But um, again, um, there have been several ministers, ministers involved, and um, none of them have really truly achieved much there. 
Um, then there, of course, is a public comment phase and almost 130 pages of these public comments uh, in this discussion came from or were in support of the $340 million rock lobster industry. Um, that's um, industry, that industry is called the Kura industry. Kura is the rock lobster in indigenous um, terms. The proposed network in this area is made up of six marine reserves, five marine protected areas, and one kelp protection area, uh, covering uh, over 1,267 square kilometers from Timaru to Waipapa Point. And for those people who don't know um, these locations, I encourage you to look up the, the map in New Zealand, southern New Zealand, to understand better where it is. Um, uh, overall, in New Zealand, there's a Maui dolphin of uh, with a population of just 80 individuals left, more or less. Um, and um, so New Zealand has already um, a track record of endemic species that are not in a good shape. And then there's also the New Zealand sea lion. And um, both of those species are actually heading towards extinction, unless drastic changes have been um, made. So far, they have not. Um, much of the southeastern coastline is um, for protection is an important foraging and breeding out for the, for a very shy and elusive bird, um, the yellow-eyed penguin that I mentioned. The Yellow-Eyed Penguin Trust, which is an organization that um, tries to protect them um, and to conserve them, said that the proposed network represents a once-in-a-decade in a opportunity to improve the um, survival of yellow-eyed penguins at sea. Um, Nearly one-third, that is 30% um, of New Zealand's biodiversity, is in the sea. But it's estimated that 22% of the marine mammals and 90% um, of seabirds and 80% of shorebirds are threatened with or at risk of extinction. I mean, that's, that's pretty dramatic when you think of it. And, um, of course, no modern nation and culture or modern governance wants to have a track record of extinction or be blamed for causing that extinction or putting it on an extinction path. So um, <clears throat> an independent review from the public discussion and the comments leading to an advice uh, for the politi political governance was to be carried out by uh, Enviro Strut, which is a consultancy firm. That's a tough job indeed, and um, it's typically put in the hands of these consultancies um, to uh, come up with some smart advice so that everybody can be happy, but that's not always easy. And it raises some interesting question who pays these contractors and um, how they obtain their information. Um, in Sanford, that is in the area uh, of the um, discussed protected plan, um, there is a company called Ngai Tau Holdings, which is now the single biggest shareholder in Sanford and it makes for the country's biggest fishing company. And ind indigenous ownerships in governance, in this case, matter. There's a big voice, of course, there. Um, some of the fisheries groups also have argued from a point of safety. If people were required to fish beyond the protection boundaries, um, it would put them at the mercy of changeable sea conditions, and thus it would be dangerous and some sort of inhumane. Um, the fisheries have to travel further outside into the ocean to get to their harvest, and that's obviously not well liked. Um, 
the iwi in indigenous governance wanted co-management of the network and the wider rohe mohane and the appointment of nigai arrangers um, for the network including the naming rights there would also be provision for matauraka maori which is a knowledge or wisdom through sampling and for some of the retrieval of skeletal remains so the indigenous viewpoint is very important in this and includes these different um, governance units and a different style of governance than what were used in the west um, so com complexity aside successive governments have long promised and actually failed to update and to reform the laws that govern ocean protection um, the um, legislation for marine protected areas and for the governance of oceans and for yeah fisheries and certainly for food security are pretty antiquated and often pretty absurd too um, they're often the shaped often shaped by lobbies and um, that's presents a lock-in um, between different lobbies and so that's basically what your law is and that's law for the ocean and that's obviously not very modern and very suitable so um, if there's an agreement to a compensation it would send a precedent and it makes establishing any further marine protected areas either very expensive or kind of impossible so here um, the different war here the world is watching how this marine protected areas is, uh, discussion is folding out and what really gets done very quickly in times of global change in times of a massive overfish fish stocks and in times of industrialization corporations playing big roles in, in public governance and democratic governance so yeah that's a hot spot that the world will certainly see um, the discussion about new zealand and its waters offers a paradigm shift it's a certain echo battle i find and it matters indeed for global impacts and how um, we are affecting and how we treat the ocean and the fisheries industry overall but also food security eventually when you um, take out the ocean food uh, on a larger scale it will have repercussions on the land food food that's produced on land and on farming and we are probably not even aware um, how much of our daily food actually comes out of the ocean is produced by ocean or by the coast so anyway um, there are some very interesting aspects to watch for um, the human footprint has clearly reached beyond land and now also beyond the ocean and it can be found in the atmosphere and that's what exactly climate change is showing us and um, you have seen the impact of man-made climate change um, so much of the new zealand products um, the ocean products obviously get um, exported and that creates <clears throat> um, here a problem with the US market uh, or with other markets including the EU and Asia um, there will be repercussions of that too either way and that why that makes the New Zealand case very interesting in the US uh, there are some considerations to give for instance some of these animals in New Zealand um, a, a US status like a conservation status which makes them suable in court in the us um, and there are some of those cases already have happened um, and um, that makes it a very powerful discussion um, and an international discussion of course so the situation outcome is to be followed closely and keeps us at breath and um, yeah we look at new zealand um, with um, a lot of hope but also i think with a lot of worry and we will see what the future will bring. 
that's all what I wanted to share with you about this topic. Uh, thank you so much for your um, time and thank you much for um, listening to it. And I hope you found it enlightening. Um, it would be good to get some feedback or to hear from you. And um, looking forward to seeing you again next time. Thank you so much. Goodbye.